I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going. Stay not safe. Before you cross me, look both ways. Leaving the scene with no trace. None in my lead. You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm out of space. Can't eat with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going. State to state. Hey guys, what's going on? It's your host, your boy, George Bakai, back in the Straight Talk Studios, and I got a good one. I got a young man who's been on my radar for some time, and he has yet to be on Straight Talk. That's because I lollygagged and I missed the boat, but he graciously accepted when I reached out. Without further ado, please help me welcome one of the hottest rising stars in Canada, period. I'm putting my stamp on it now, Junior Benito to Straight Talk Wrestling. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm good, man. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Dude, it's honestly, it's been um, it's been a while that you've been on my radar. You've been picking up Steve. You've been killing it. You're one of the hottest rising stars in Ontario, like I said in your introduction. And it's great to finally sit down and, uh, you know, chat it up with you for a little bit. So the first question I have is, um, obviously, anybody who watched, you know, Dark Elevation, they saw that you were on it. You're also one of the uh, security guards, if you will, on Rampage. And you yeah. took a wicked shot from Jade Cargill, probably one of the strongest wrestlers in the business and China, the second coming, in my opinion, what was it like <laughs> getting a forearm shot from that lady? Uh, dude, it was kind of one of those moments. I don't, I'm sure you've, you've had this moment before where like, it feels surreal as you're in the moment. Cause like, you know, when you're in her presence, it's like, man, this is pretty cool. Then it kind of felt real as soon as you, I, I felt the impact, you know? And then as soon as I got the hit, I was on the floor. All I really saw was just the lights of the arena. And then Jade's figure just coming over me, just starting to smack talk me like, why'd you do this? You made me do this. And I was like, man, this is amazing. <laughs> That's all I can really tell myself. It was so cool. Yeah, you got to love that. You got to love that when somebody can knock you on your ass and then shit talk you and say, it's your fault. You made me, you made me hit you. I didn't want to hit you. You hey. made me do it. I'm not going to lie. She could have said anything. And I would have been like, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard that AEW is one of the uh, greatest experiences for any up and coming wrestler. A lot of times they go to the city, they bring in a lot of locals to help out with the extra work as well as WWE does that as well. But how was the overall experience? Like, did they contact you? Did they reach out to you? I'm just interested to see how the whole experience kind of came to be for you. Uh, honestly, the, the way it all happened was we all got the news that AW was coming to Canada. And then overall, we all got excited because the independent wrestlers got, like, they thought they were going to have a glimpse of hopefully going there for extra work and just being uh, extra hands to help. And me, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. All I really got was a word. And I was told that I'm, I'm going and I was like, all right, I'll follow your lead. And then yeah, I really just went with the flow. That's kind of how it's been for my whole career, to be honest. Some people tell me what to do. And I'm mainly just like, all right, I'll go with your flow. And then before I knew it, I was backstage seeing the show work, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And I heard that there's the talent back there is so welcoming, uh, so forthcoming with any kind of advice or any questions you have, if there's an available opportunity, were you able to pick the brains of any of these legends when there was downtime? Uh, it depends on the time because there was also, it's easy when you're backstage to be classified as the annoying person and then to be classified as the, um, uh, as the good kid who's curious. So it was really hard for me to pinpoint my opportunities. So I tried my best whenever I saw a person, a legend, like guys like Mark Henry or Big Show, I made sure to just stay out of their way and just to not get on their bad side because you never know if they're having a bad day or a good day. So I wouldn't want to test the waters. So whenever I could, I just talked to whoever I knew and just told, asked them how their experience was like. 
uh, in the big show. So whenever I got to see guys that I, I had a, had a pass with, guys like Eva Luno, uh, Stu Grayson, who was who made an appearance that show for Rampage, and also um, I Daniel Garcia as well. I got to chat up with him as well because he used to wrestle for C4. So we kind of had a cool ha- we got to know each other a little bit beforehand. So yeah, I just I talked to them mainly, and whenever the legends came into the conversations, then I would try to ask some some questions. Like Jerry Lynn came in at one point, we got to chat a bit. It was pretty cool. And other than that, it was overall just going with the flow again. <laughs> I like that. That's a, that's a wise attitude. I mean, you're a young cat, man. That's an attitude a lot of people still haven't learned. <laughs> like, I'm almost 40, and I still haven't learned to just go with the flow. I'm aggressive in a lot of aspects, man. I would put myself in there. But that's that's a very wise attitude to have, especially around all those legends. I mean, now, I, I mean, I'm a wrestling mark. I have a wrestling podcast. I love wrestling. Wrestling is kind of everything next to my family. And that's about it. It's like family wrestling one, two. Uh, But were you starstruck at all? Like, I mean, you got to chat it up with Jerry Lynn. Like if I got to chat up Jerry Lynn, I would just be like, dude, can we take a selfie? Because that's that's all I would really want. Like, but were you starstruck at all? Uh, To be honest, I'm very, very glad that nowadays I don't get as starstruck. I got my first glimpse of starstruck was a long time ago when I was like probably 13 or 14. I went to my first show at C4. And at that show, Too Cold Scorpio, out of all people, he was wrestling at that show. And that was my first glimpse of being starstruck. And ever since then, every, everyone else that came about afterwards, I can name a huge list of names that I've met, but it would take the, it would take all day. So I, I've learned just to just um, be calm and just I realize I meditate about it. And I just I tell myself there are people just like me, just like you. They all bleed blood, you know, so. Whatever they've accomplished is wonderful, but they're all they're all human beings. So they've all have feelings. We can all have conversations with them. They're all people, you know. So as soon as I got in that mentality, it kind of helped ease the factor. I like that. I like. I, I swear. How old are you again? I am twenty one. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm talking to like a fifty year old who's been in the business for like thirty years. You're wise. You're wise beyond your years, my man. You're wise beyond your years. So. Uh, you talked about, you know, going to C4 at 13 at your at your very first show to get a glimpse of, of this business. And that was probably the spark that maybe lit the flame or the spark was already there, but it just, it became a bonfire at that point. So what was it like going to that show? And then literally only a few years later, you know, five, six years later, you're wrestling at C4. That had to be a moment for sure. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool because I remember being at my first show and the first thought that came across my mind was, man, this ring is loud because <laughs> I've never actually been in the physical presence of a ring. So whenever people fall and the big like loud bumps you hear, it's incredible. And it gave me a headache. And I, then I started second guessing myself as a joke, of course, just like, should I get into this? I don't know. <laughs> it was pretty cool. To see. It was great to notice, but it was Honestly, a few months later, I actually got into the business because the next show I went to, I went up to whoever was tearing down the ring and just asked them how they get the job. And then that led to me meeting the promoter. Then he told me, hey, if you want to just come by to volunteer and help set up the ring and tear down. And I was like, of course. And me being 14 or 15 at the time, it was a huge opportunity to get to know the wrestlers and to get on their good side before I even started training. So that is probably one of the greatest things I could have done to benefit my career long-term. So it was really, it was, I'm really glad I got to do that. Absolutely, man. Again, that's smart. Like I said, putting yourself out there, being aggressive, figuring out where you can pick your spots to kind of grow within and then develop into, like I said, one of the hottest rising stars in Ontario and Canada period. I'll put my, again, I'll put my stamp on it. Now you also had a match. I was there 
in the audience at Dynamite. I got to see you wrestle in a tag match. What was that like, wrestling in a crowd of easily somewhere between ten to 15,000 people? How, yeah. how do you control your nerves when you're wrestling in crowds of about, let's say, ballpark, honestly, somewhere between 800 to 1,600, maybe 2,000, depending on the size of the venue? You go from 2,000 people, which can still be a very loud voice, yeah. to <laughs> 12,000 plus. How do, you, how do you maintain composure during that? Uh, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll, I'll see if I could put it the best way I can. So I remember when everything was going about and I was just like, wow, this is, this is cool. But the real nerves came up when we were walking through the curtain towards the ring and I saw, we saw how big the crowd was and me and my partner, uh, Dylan, we were just like, wow, this is really cool. We were hyping each other up. Like, this is awesome. But then as soon as we got, as soon as I got in the ring, I stepped in, then I was just like, this is just like any other ring I've stepped into, just a little cleaner. <laughs> so honestly, it's, as soon as I stepped in the ring, the nerves kind of faded, faded away a little bit. My only goal was just to do my job. And er thankfully, everything went by pretty well. Everything did go by pretty well. It was an awesome match. I was pulling for you guys. I mean, everyone in the crowd was pulling for the local talent for sure, even if they didn't know who they were. Because in Canada, no matter if you're a heel or a face or an unknown, as soon as they say from Canada, you're over. Yeah. Wrestling <laughs> crowd, you are over. So everybody was pulling for it. And it was nice to just see so many of these up and coming talents getting these moments, getting these spots. When you went backstage, the match was over. Any feedback given? Anything, you know, this was good, work on this, maybe do that. I mean, even with the people you were wrestling with, and forgive me, I'm I'm drawing a huge blank. Who were you in the ring with again? Because dynamite was just a surreal moment for me as well as a fan. I was just sitting there soaking it all in myself. I completely forgot who you guys were in the ring with. Uh, it was me and Dylan versus uh, Jay Lethal and Satnam Singh. That's who it was. So that's right. I remember. I remember both of you. Uh, so what's it like stepping into the ring, looking up at a guy that's easily double your size? First thought was, "Wow, <laughs> that's really that was really it." <laughs> so even when they're introducing my me, like in the ring, I heard my name Junior Benito, but I was like. Yeah, yeah, I heard my name. That's cool. But man, look how tall he is. That's all I could think of. My hands over my, my mouth. Just like, man. And I was just like, dude, this guy is huge. If you look back at the footage, it's all I could do. Like, this guy is gigantic. But um, the, the real moment where I acknowledged, I realized how big he was, was when I went for that first hit on his chest. It had no effect on him at all, sadly. But <laughs> I remember just hitting him and looking up at him this way. And then right behind him was the lights of the arena. And I was just like, man, he's gigantic. And then he just he just took took care of me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely took care of you. You didn't even let Jay Lethal get any work on you, man. Were you excited that you you might get to lock up with Jay Lethal? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Some people are bummed that I didn't get to actually physically get in contact with him. But for now, I was pretty thankful just to be in the ring physically with him, just stepping in the ring with him, and just being able to just be like in the ring with Jay Lethal. I don't know how to say it better, but it was pretty cool that because as a child, he was one of the guys when I got into the independence, I, I started watching a little more. He was definitely one of my heroes in the sport because I loved watching his work because it seemed so effortless and fluid and everything. And when I started watching it, it was when he became, I think, television and world ring of honor champion. So seeing him in person and on top of that, getting to step in the ring with him, even though it was brief, it was still a huge honor, to be honest. Absolutely, it was. I mean, when I think of Jay Lethal, I mean, everybody thinks of the same moment. I think uh, the Ric Flair woo battle. I mean, yeah. that's, 
that's the moment, you know, like uh, we should try to recreate that. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> woo! I, woo, I can't really do it too well. <laughs> that's all good. I forgive you. It's okay. Woo is something, woo is something that a lot of people think it's the easiest thing in the world to do. But when you're wooing with, you know, 20,000 other people, you got to be on point. You yeah. got to have those couple seconds beforehand. You can't just be like, woo. You got to wait. And when you hear the first like, woo, then you pick it up. So then it kind of echoes throughout the whole arena. You know what I mean? You can't just woo out of nowhere. You can't be brushing your teeth and just, woo. It doesn't sound the same. It that's sounds really- like you're just a guy in the bathroom that's really happy that he brushed his teeth today. Yeah. Only, only two people can do it properly. Jay Lethal and the one and only Nature Boy Ric Flair. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Well, I, I, I'm like a distant like 77th, right? Would you give me that? Would you give me top 100 at least? No? Okay. that's cool. Oh, most, most definitely. Come on. Oh. Come on. <laughs> All right. Perfect. I appreciate that. So you mentioned in the conversation with the mini host, it always drops a few days before. And uh, it's great that, uh, you know, all of you guys and girls give her the opportunity, sit down and have these conversations because she is the future of podcasting. In my honest opinion, she has no fear. This kid has been interviewing wrestlers since she was eight years old. She's now 13, five years in the game and she has locked down and she has no nerves. And even when I told her, I said, listen, dad's going to go outside for a smoke because right after dinner, you have to have the after dinner smoke. If you're a smoker, it's key. I said, just set up with junior and I'll slide in like I always do. And she did. She knocked it out of the park. I came in the interview and, uh, you know, it's incredible to see how well, how easygoing a lot of you guys are with her. And I appreciate that. Everyone in the wrestling business has been so kind to her. And uh, it's awesome to see that camaraderie. But you mentioned about reading. Being, being being a big fan of reading and you're currently reading phantom of the opera now that is one of my all-time favorite books no bullshit that is one of my all-time favorite books also one of my all-time favorite movies i like the original uh the side of the film with lon cheney that's a classic but then the one from 1935 is also a classic as well uh anything andrew lloyd weber did was solid but not the movie the stage production was incredible the movie and eh, not so much okay but when you look at classic books like if you're locked in a library and you've got 12 hours to kill before, you know, you get unlocked from this library. What's a go-to classic for Junior Benito? Like, what section of the library does he go to? Where does he go? What book does he grab first? I mean, this is an interesting question because you never get somebody that so humbly out there admits, I love to read in my spare time. Because a lot of people don't read these days. A lot of people just do audiobooks. We're a yeah. very lazy society these days, Junior. <laughs> Anything to get done quickly, we do it. Nobody reads books anymore, so tell me. All right, so... A little thing I forgot to add. <laughs> this is um, this is probably one of my first story books that I've read. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. I started this yesterday, actually, so I'm very green. <laughs> so please forgive me. But um, I've read countless books, but they've all been mainly biographies on um, wrestlers and musicians and stuff like that. So I've I've read countless books on like Will Smith, Mike Tyson, and a bunch of other wrestlers for sure. I read the Young Bucks book as well. It was incredible. And uh, yeah, it's mainly wrestler work and uh, big on biographies. But if I could sit down and reread any book in a library, I'd probably reread the Will Smith book. I, I know he's kind of got some flack for what he did earlier this year, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. we got to tread lightly with Will Smith. We have to. We have to. Honestly, buddy, his book was really good, though. It was really good. Nice. Nice. For me, a go-to book of mine that I could read over and over again. I actually, as one of those books you were forced to read in elementary school. And it's one of the books that's become like an all-time favorite for me. It's a book called The Giver. It's about, yeah, it's about a post, not really apocalyptic, but the world has just fallen. And society is trying to pick itself up again. 
And in this society, when you reach age of maturity, which I believe in the book is 13, you get assigned a task in the society. So you could be a farmer, a doctor, a lawyer, so forth and so on. And you get to go and be groomed like an apprenticeship almost by that person. So when they grow out of age, you can then take over the role. There's one particular role that's very important in society, and that's called the giver. The giver is the person that holds memories, all the memories of the past society. And he's the person or she that will go on and continue the memories of a society from the past. And this one boy gets selected to be the giver because he could see color. And that's interesting because everything in this world is black and white. There is no color. But this boy can see color. So because of that, he becomes the giver's apprentice learning memories, learning about society, learning about everything that was once there that he never knew about. It becomes very overwhelming, and then he tries to escape from the society to find a world outside. If people are living like they used to outside of this enclosed society. It's a fantastic read. I highly recommend it. It actually won the Pulitzer, I believe, for one of the best um, fiction books of its time. Uh, check it out. It's called The Giver. It's fantastic. There is a movie. It's absolute trash. Enjoy the book because your memory is the best movie you could <laughs> ever watch compared to any other movie that's made. But if you get a chance, I highly recommend it. It's called The Giver. It's fantastic. Okay, cool. The Giver. I'll make sure to keep that in mind for sure. Put it on your list. Put it on your list for sure. Now, uh, you, mentioned auto, you mentioned autobiographies. I'm a big autobiography guy. Uh, the one I haven't been able to put down and I've reread twice because I absolutely love him as a performer and I love the book was Moxley. The John Moxley biography was fantastic. Have you had a chance to pick that one up yet? Yes, I got it for Christmas, and I finished that book actually two months ago. It was a pretty good one. Oh, it's amazing! I'm I'm rereading it for the third time now. Wow! I'm chapter. Oh, dude, I love it. I I I love. I I don't know. It's weird to say because you look at Moxie and you think this guy's all over the fucking place, but when he's actually sitting down telling all these stories, it just absolutely fascinates me. Uh, how really humble of a person he is, but also how much he had to go through just to get where he is. And, and yeah. p- people I don't think see that. So when you have these real life stories that come out through through page, I still think books are the best form of communication in the world. We can have cell phones and all this nonsense. But at the end of the day, picking up a good book, sitting down with a good drink in front of a fireplace. Oh, that's that's Netflix and chill for me. Okay? That's, the book. <laughs> that's Netflix and chill for me. Now, going back to your career. Uh, so many matches uh, that I could list off the top of my head that were fantastic. Eva Uno, I know that was a great match. Uh, Josh Alexander, that match, you guys tore it down. And that was Josh Alexander. Uh, Josh Alexander's never not been in his prime. That was yeah. him, you know, a couple of years out of neck surgery. He was working the Indies. He was doing his thing. And he's in impact. And you get a chance to go toe-to-toe with him. What's it like stepping in the ring with arguably – one of the best performers in today. Forget PWI. Fuck that nonsense. Top five, <laughs> top five performer. And you get to step into the ring with him and you get to tear it down and have arguably one of the best matches I've ever seen. Uh, dude, first off, thank you so much for saying that. That means a lot. <laughs> uh, but it was a very, very, inc- I'm not going to lie. It was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life simply because I don't know if I haven't told this to many people, but. Um, early on in the match, I got concussed pretty bad, and I I blacked out. I just did not know what happened after that. My I kind of gained consciousness um, out of sorry. I got out of the state after the match, so I, it was after I took a power bomb. After that, the the train was still rolling, but no one was conducting the train. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. 
I was still moving, but it was really much just I did not know what I was doing. And then after when the match finished, I was honestly, I thought the match had ended earlier. I thought I got referee stoppage or something. So it was just a really emotional time for me. I cried like a baby and it was just, it was all over the place. So um, that experience alone was really, really crazy. And everyone was saying the match was great. And it just shows how much of a professional and how incredible Josh Alexander really is. He could really have an incredible match with a broomstick if he if he had to, honestly. So it was incredible, man. <laughs> that's that's amazing. You were concussed, and like you like that's a great way to put it. The train was still rolling, but there was nobody driving the train. You were just yeah. going through the motions. But did you ever have a chance? Have you gone back and, and looked at the footage? Have you gone back and watched the match? Oh, countless times. I it's it's all I could do, really. I was what the two days after the match was completed, after the show, actually. Sorry. Um, I watched the match, I showed my mother. She, I, I'm going to say this for the first time. My mom's not a fan of Josh because <laughs> of the match. So if she ever meets him, she'll have a stern talking to him. I, I, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, I watched the match countless times. I showed many people, uh, just to explain to them that, um, anything can really happen in the ring. So it's, um, it overall just a great experience to watch again and also to, to relive in my mind absolutely absolutely for sure i completely understand that so here's a question because this is and this is how we're vibing right here junior you and i uh you mentioned mom and moms are key in in children's lives yeah what was the conversation like with mom when you sat her down and you looked her square in the eyes and you said mom i'm gonna be a wrestler i'm gonna put my body on the line for 300 plus days a year probably not make a whole lot of money in the beginning uh, but hopefully, you know, down the line, things get better. But most of the times, they're going to work for a handshake and a hot dog. Are uh, you okay with this, mom? <laughs> Technically, I've never actually had that talk with my mom. Simply oh. because um, I told her I wanted to be a wrestler since I was like five. So she thought it was just a, a pipe dream, like a quick thing that just leaves as I get older. But then as I got older, I just kept trying to get into the business. So then she could, she never really like had a talk with me about it she just went like oh, okay keep doing your wrestling thing keep going and now here i am at 21 actually doing some pretty cool things and she is more surprised as to how as to how um how much i can i'm doing in the business and i'm i'm sure she's glad that nothing too bad happened of course the concussion got her on the reels a little bit she really didn't want me to do it anymore afterwards but i convinced her thankfully that all is good i'm gonna play it more safe and everything but yeah, uh, she's she's cool with it. It's more my dad. He was much more against it. <laughs> he was really that's see that's interesting. Most of the times, dads are dads are the first one to be like, you know, if you come home picked on from school, you got a black eye. Dads are the first one to sit you down and be like, all right, so you got a black eye tomorrow. You got to give that kid a black eye. You know, tit for tat, right? I'm surprised yeah. that that mom would be a little bit more chillaxed than dad. That's interesting. Yeah. It's it's mainly because my mom's a very soft spoken individual. So if things don't rub don't rub her the right way, she'll let you know about it, but she won't like make a scene. My father, on the other hand, is one that'll he's very old fashioned. So in his mind, if it's not school, it's not right. So he was big on me going to school after high school and just concentrating on getting an actual job, which is which is normal. What any parent uh, should be doing, which is fine. But I had really big dreams. And it took a lot of convincing. Thankfully, they agreed. And here I am today wrestling. <laughs> well, thank God they agreed. Mom and Dad <laughs> Benito, thank you guys so much for allowing him to do what he's doing because he's absolutely killing it. And your star is only going to continue to rise. So 
aspiration-wise, you mentioned about wrestling as many new people as you can before the end of the year. Is there any goals that you have set for the next year? I mean, I can't believe we're already talking about 2023, and 2022 feels like it just started yesterday. Uh, it's insane that this is going to drop probably first, second week of November, and we're going to be six weeks out from the new year. So since we're, all, we're, we're, we're past Thanksgiving, Halloween is around the corner. We're making a beeline for Christmas with all kinds of food, family, and really corny Christmas movies, which yeah. I, I love. I love corny Christmas movies. We're going to get into a game later that I, I think will put everyone in the Christmas spirit for sure. But um, what, uh, what, what are the aspirations for next year? Is the aspirations next year to try to get stateside, to try to get more notice? Because let's be honest, Junior, let's talk about this for a second. You could be the best wrestler in Canada and still never get noticed outside of this country for the simple fact of all the red tape and bullshit that Canadian athletes have to go through just to get over there. And something as simple as going over there and and, and getting caught, uh, uh, if you will, working, uh, you can get banned from crossing the border for life. So these are risks that a lot of athletes take just to get noticed over there, especially young up-and-coming wrestlers, both male and female. Uh, Have you thought about going stateside? And, and what that might do for Junior Benito, the wrestler? Yeah, to, to add to your point, yeah, we've had countless wrestlers who are now on, on uh, in the stateside more on, with actual worldwide television, like Josh, uh, Alexander, Speedball, Mike Bailey, uh, oops, Evil Uno's to Grace, and all those guys, they're all getting their due now, which is wonderful. But yeah, my goal for the next year would definitely be to get more recognition on the stateside, on the United States. We'll see how it can go. Honestly, I'm just hoping the, for the best, my fingers crossed, because you never know what can happen. It really just depends on on which situation presents itself. And I just got to make sure I roll with the dice the best I can and hope for the best. Absolutely. I like that. I think it's a great attitude. Again, I, I you are definitely wise beyond your years, and that's because of good parenting. So again, shout out to your parents because they're amazing people. And um, they need to know that. They need to know that. They've raised one hell of a young gentleman. So kudos to both mom and dad for that. Now, you mentioned from five that, you know, you had told your your mom firmly, I'm going to be a wrestler. What was the spark that lit the flame? Because like I said, if the C4 show was the bonfire and then that started you working ring crew and everything, what was the original spark that lit the flame? What made you fall in love with this crazy, psychotic, fun, extremely anxiety-driven world of pro wrestling yeah you weren't you're not wrong with that whole anxiety-driven world (laughs) but um the thing that really got my got my interest in the sport was as a child we had this vhs tape um of i think wrestlemania no actually it was a dvd of uh, the hardy boys uh some of their best matches of the early millennium and late 90s of their tlc matches their ladder matches and all that but the one that got my attention the most was their SummerSlam triangle TLC match. Uh, the one where you saw Hardy jumping off the ladder, I think, I think for the first time through table on Bubba Ray. That was a great, great moment. It was so cool. And I remember just seeing that as a kid and being like, man, this is just really cool. And then after that, you would go to weekly television and watch John Cena, Batista, Rey Mysterio. And all that combined, I'd say, is what got me really interested. Also, all my siblings as well were watching it with me as well. So that kind of kept the flame go the spark going for me amazing and what do your siblings think about you and uh this crazy world of wrestling uh they think it's great they they knew i wanted to do it and they're honestly probably the reason why i'm i'm doing it because they were the ones to encourage me to to actually not give up because we all we were all big dreamers at the time so as a child i wanted to be a wrestler my other brother wanted to be a, a musician 
Other ones wanted to be musicians as well, uh, actresses, actors. Just uh, We all had big dreams. And I was the youngest one, so I kind of followed their lead. And I just really wanted to keep going. So here, here I am. Thankfully, because of them, I'm where I'm at. That's amazing. That's amazing. Very humbling as well that the family encourages one another. And that, that is that the greatest thing in the world? Support systems, right? Support systems can lift you up in your lowest of lows and uh, they can keep you up there. Even when you're unsure, you have those doubts. Um, uh, support systems can mean the world. And it sounds like you got a great one. And that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all because I'm honestly, when it comes to support systems, my oldest brothers have been really molding me. To, to be a wrestler as a child. So I remember my mother watched me on what shoot. I was watching TV NXT at the time. And I was watching Neville who's now Pac, like back to his old self. And I remember she watched him and she's like, you know, if you want to do that stuff, you got to take gymnastics. And I remember just thinking, Oh, that's nothing. No, no, I'm not taking gymnastics. That's silly. And then my brother overheard that conversation and he's like, you, you're actually, she's actually right. You got to take gymnastics. You actually want to do this wrestling thing. And on top of that, a few months later, he told me, if you want to actually get into wrestling, you got to do like drama classes. So then here I was uh, in high school taking gymnastics classes. I eventually had a job at a gymnastics gym. And then every semester I take uh, drama classes in school just because all for the eventual goal of making it as a wrestler. So if it wasn't for my parents, they definitely, because of their influences and their, um, their ideas, they helped prepare me for the world of professional wrestling a little better. So even when even when there was doubts on, on the parents' mind, like this may be a pipe dream, they still kind of pushed you or gave you guidance in the right direction. That's incredible. That yeah. is really that is really incredible. Shout out again to the Benito family. They're they're yeah. one they're one heck of a group of people. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll say that they are. They're pretty damn cool. So what what is um what would you say in terms of like have have your whole family been to one of your shows? Have they watched you wrestle? Dad, mom, siblings, the whole nine yards. Yeah, we've never had, I think the closest thing to the whole family was my first match ever, which was against my old coworker at the time who trained with me. He is, his name was La Sombre Verde, which was, I think it's the green bird or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, we, we wrestled our first match. It was a very bad first match on my part. It was like the nerves were everywhere, but that was the first and only time I think the most of the family was there. Like my sister was there. My oldest brother was there. My mother was there. My sister's boyfriend was there, which was pretty big. And then a lot of other siblings as well. It was, it was really cool. It was really cool. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So looking at all the, the impressive list of people that you've uh, you've been able to, you know, stare across the ring with. And uh, let me see if you agree with me on this. I, I always describe wrestling as the great dance. Um, yeah. When you could find that partner that's fluid and you could feed off each other and you could tell this story without words because people don't realize – how complicated it is to tell a t- an entire story without speaking a single word. I mean, yeah, there may be smack talk here and there in the ring, but you're you're essentially telling a story of good versus evil without a single ounce of dialogue. And um, like you said, you have to have those those faces. You have to be able to sell emotion. You have to be able to put fans in that moment where they they want to cheer for you or they want to watch you fall. And uh, it, it is the most extremely complicated thing ever. But would you say, would you agree with me on that analogy that this is a great dance when you can have two dance partners that you literally just want to fight forever with? Yeah, I'm, I'm being honest. It really is that. I love having analogies for professional wrestling because it's such a weird thing to try to pinpoint. Even when it comes to being an independent wrestler, when I, when I uh, 
when people ask how's it like, I tell them it's kind of like a rock band trying to get their big break. They tour anywhere they can, everywhere they can, just to try to see if the right person is going to watch them one night. That's really what I give them for wrestling as well. And for when it comes to the emotional game as well, trying to get people emotionally invested in the craft, I credit people that I've watched as a child. I used to watch guys like Jim Carrey a whole bunch and guys like Mr. Bean, guys who were so good at making people react off of their physical actions. So that kind of helped influence me in my uh, way of uh, presenting myself in the ring with some of my physical mannerisms. It kind of helps get the crowd a little more engaged because of what I do without even speaking, which is, which is great. It is. It is very, it is very cool to get, to get engaged like that. So you mentioned Jim Carrey, you mentioned Mr. Bean. Uh, It sounds like you got a good comedy background in behind you. Um, do you go back further in terms of comedian? Like, do you enjoy Eddie Murphy's early work, Richard Pryor? Uh, I would even say go far back as the original Kings of comedy, in my opinion, the three stooges. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I've never actually watched a full, a full, uh, piece of work from the three stooges, but I've watched many little tidbits here and there, but, uh, it was mainly from, I usually loved watching stand up comedy. So guys like Eddie Murphy, uh, Bernie Mac, uh, Chris Rock, uh, Dave Chappelle, especially, and also um, Russell Peters as well. He's a great fellow Canadian, I, I, I believe. But um, he's uh, from Brampton. He's from right where I'm from. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, guys like him, and also guys like Jim Carrey. Because as a child, I was a big fan of comedy movies, and my mo- my mom, who's really big fan of guys who just act silly, so I took up her and just watched her things as well. And yeah, I just, I was a big fan of that as a child. So I'd always try to mimic what they do as a child. I do weird faces and always just physically walk weird or just act weird at school. So my, my older brothers can attest when they saw me in kindergarten, I'd do the weirdest of things out of nowhere. So <laughs> it's all because of them. So, so yeah, um, I definitely, I, I'm a big, big fan of comedy. I'd say it's one of the reasons why I, I love enter- the entertainment business overall so much. Absolutely. And wrestling really is that whole that whole ball of wax and then some. I mean, you got to be able to think fast on your feet. So improv is a key. Uh, you got to be able to, you know, again, be athletically inclined to tell these stories without words in the ring. You have to have the facial features down. You have to have everything. You literally when you're in the ring, you hold the entire crowd's emotions in the palm of your hand, whichever way you want to sway them. A simple gesture, a simple, you know clench of the jaw a simple you know fist pump shake to get the crowd all right that that can change the landscape of every match has there ever been a moment where you've walked into a hostile crowd and you've been the one that that was getting booed because you weren't that crowd's hero and then somehow you managed to turn the tide with the crowd and get them on your side i can i can mention two different experiences my first experience was where I I was coming into this show pre- preparing myself for the worst. Like if I was going to walk into like an ECW level harsh crowd. And ironically, that was my first time wrestling in front of a C4 crowd because the, I, that crowd is a much more hardcore style crowd. They like crazy style wrestling. So I expected me coming in with my big smile and like, come on guys. I thought they were going to eat me up and spit me out. I really thought it was going to be that type of thing. So I was ready to just give them the best physical show I could give them. But as soon as I came out, they welcomed me so much. And then I was like, man, why are they reacting such a way? And looking back, I, I thought it was because I, I volunteered at shows. So some people might have remembered my face. Um, uh, a bunch of other options came, a bunch of other things came up to mind. But I think it's just because they, uh, 
And I think it's just because they probably remembered me from the past, kind of like how the volunteering days, because they saw me standing in security as a scrawny little kid who probably couldn't break up a fight to save his life. So they probably <laughs> they probably saw him as a wrestler. And I was like, oh, that's great. Let's cheer for this guy. So I guess 10 people cheering for me led to like the whole place, I guess. It kind of kind of resonated. And the second place was I was in a place in Quebec City where the whole crowd, not the whole crowd, but a few people were kind of booing me. And then I, my goal was to get them to turn and, and like cheer for me, of course. But then halfway through the match, I really hyperextended my knee. So the whole match was kind of just me trying to struggle to get get like some type of reaction. And I was limping the whole time. So overall, it wasn't a great night. I sadly didn't get them on my back that night. But um, overall, it was a pretty fun experience to finally get a crowd to not like me. I know it sounds weird, but it was the first time they actually didn't enjoy my work, which was an interesting feeling. <laughs> That that would be an interesting take. Is that something that you use as motivation to be like, okay, you know what? It didn't go my way that night. I, I hyperextended my knee. Things weren't the way I mapped them out that night. Now I just got to, you know, get healthy again. I got to come back stronger and I got to show this crowd what they didn't get, a chance, what they didn't get to see that first time around. Yeah, most definitely. My next time, the next time I go to that crowd, I don't want to say which show because I, I wouldn't want people to think uh, certain things about that show. But uh, my goal for the next time I go to that promotion would be to just steal the show the best I can, really, honestly. <laughs> Isn't that the kind of staple? Like, that's you in a nutshell. You just go in, you steal the show. You don't even really try to steal the show. You're just that damn good. Oh, dude, I try. Trust me, I try. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, that's a shirt right there. Junior Bonito on the back, steal the show. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't know about that, man. But thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm trying to give you a t-shirt idea. You didn't like it? Wow. Shot down. Horrible. Now I feel horrible. <laughs> I love the idea. <laughs> right on. A couple more questions. And like I said, we'll play that game and I'll let you go enjoy your night. In the grand scheme of your career, um, like I said, it's been an impressive uphill climb. There's been a couple peaks and valleys, but there's always – it's like a flat line, really. It's like a heartbeat. It goes up and down throughout it. Um can you look back at your career thus far and think of something that if there was a chance, you know, everybody looks for something in life where they can do over something. Okay. You know, I want to, I want to try that again. Cause if I ever got the opportunity, I want to try that again. Do you ever have one of those do over moments? And is there ever a moment where you doubted yourself completely and thought about hanging up the boots forever? I don't know. <laughs> me, me at 21 talking about hanging up the boots sounds kind of weird. I'm not going to lie, but, um, uh, I honestly, when it comes to wishing to redo certain things, I wish I could do that for every match. Cause everything in the, every match that I've had, I always have one moment where I was, I wish I could have done better and something like that. So it's, it's, I'd say if I could do it for every match, I would, there's not a specific point in time where I would have done it. But, um, to, to get to your other question where it comes to close to, to hanging up the boots, I, I, I want to say, I guess the, the concussion match where I went against Josh. I never said I thought of, I, I would never consider hanging up the boots, but I definitely got into some deeper thoughts after that match, more than any other match, probably after that. Right on. So, uh, okay. Sorry to be cliche about hanging up the boots, but like deeper thoughts where you kind of doubted yourself and your abilities think, you know, is this something I want to do long-term? Is this something I want to, you know, still feel out after, you know, you know, cause concussions are, are serious. I mean, 20 years ago, concussions were nothing. Yeah. Just take two aspirin, call me in the morning. Now we know it's a lot more serious, especially with science and, and evolving technologies. We know that these you have to take a concussion very seriously because you have no idea what frame of mind the the mind will be in, right? Yeah. Uh one thing I yeah, concussions are just 
they're very, 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 very dangerous. So I'm very thankful that we're not in in 03 because <laughs> back in the day, man, like you said, concussions were just quickly breezed through. But you, there's a lot of people nowadays that that, that are wrestling today and or unfortunately are with us today uh, that that have paid the price, sadly. So I'm I'm glad we've we've learned from those uh, experiences and gotten better as a sport, honestly. Absolutely. I, I couldn't 100 percent agree with you again. Like, I, I, I can't believe you are you are probably the wisest above your years out of any conversation that I've had. And it's incredible. I'm having a good time. I hope you are as well. My final uh-huh. question before we get into the game. Uh, this is a cliche question, but you know what? I'm going to ask it anyways, because cliches are fun sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually a job interview question. Junior Benito, where do you see yourself in five years? A g- great question. Uh- <laughs> Um, uh, to be honest, in five years, how old am I going to be? 26? Oh, uh, f- at 26, I'd love to just be... I'd love to be wrestling somewhere where I can wrestle the best wrestlers in the world consistently and n- for it to be the only thing that I'm doing. Not to, not to knock on anybody else that's wrestling and doing, and doing jobs because we have no choice but to do that. Like right now, we're, we're wrestling. We also have other jobs to help fund the wrestling. But my goal is just to wrestle all the time and have a blast and just be thankful for what I have because honestly to physically be able to wrestle on a consistent basis is a blessing man because it's so easy to get hurt the smallest thing can just break you in half so I'm I'm just hoping that at 26 I can be wrestling the best in the world and to not worry about anything else that's all <laughs> right on I, I I like that again I think that's that's a great attitude and a great outlook on things in in five years I'll be 44. So thanks for making me feel super old. Um, And and my only goal at that time would be to uh, keep having great conversations, such as the one we've had today, but also try to maintain what little hair I may have left. (laughs) Hey, man, hair, schmear. I think I'm going to lose mine in a few years, too, man. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. Well, okay, then you know what? If if Junior Bernito goes bald, fuck it, I'm going to shave it off, too. I'm going to shave it off in solidarity for you, man. Hey, hair is nothing but a matter. That's all. <laughs> I know, but I have a weird, odd-shaped head, and nah, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. All right. Now, uh, it's game time. I always play games with all my guests, and this is a game, like I said, trying to get everyone the Christmas spirit because we are going to be dropping this sometime in November. So I'm going to play Forced Mount Rushmore. It's a game that I created where I usually give the people that I'm having conversations with uh, five wrestlers off the top of the head, and I say you have to put them in from one being the worst, five being the best. But you and I are going to switch it up because you look like a man who loves movies and entertainment, much like myself. So you know a good Christmas flick over a bad Christmas flick. Am I right? Yes, but I might not be that knowledge of Christmas movies. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to then, – then you know what? We don't necessarily have to do Christmas movies. I'll throw a couple Christmas movies in there. But I'm going to throw certain movies in there and I want to see where you rank them. Okay. okay. All right, so one being the worst, five being the best. Here we go. Are you ready? Yes, yes. Okay, so the first movie, Die Hard. Okay, that's the first one I'm going to give you is Die Hard. Very easy. Everyone's seen Die Hard. You know, welcome to the party, pal. Fucking throwing Hans Gruber off a roof. It's not Christmas till Bruce Willis throws somebody off a roof, in my opinion. Die Hard, <laughs> is, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Second Christmas movie, or second movie, period. I am going to throw out a Christmas one. It's a classic. It's the toughest guy in the world, Arnold Schwarzenegger, in Jingle All the Way. Everyone's seen that movie at least once. So, yeah, yeah. yeah everybody's seen that movie. Okay, put the cookie down. Come on. Great movie. Uh, the next one I'm going to give you is a Halloween-ish kind of movie, if you will. Well, it's not-ish. It definitely is. Uh, I'll give you Scream. 
everybody's seen Scream or one of the Screams, so they know Ghostface and the nonsense of, yeah, I'm not a big fan of those movies, but I'm going to give you those as well. And then I'm going to give you uh, something that I, I feel a lot of people underappreciate for his work, but this is one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies, and that would be um, uh, The Truman Show. A lot of people weren't big fans of it, but I actually was. I enjoyed the different aspect that he gave us in that dramedy. And uh, then to round off the top five, another comedy classic, uh, in my opinion, again, uh, which is another Jim Carrey movie, but it's one of my all-time favorites, uh, Ace Ventura. Not part two, When Nature Calls, not so much, but part one for sure. So Thank those you. are the five movies that I've given you. Okay, I'm instantly going to go ahead. The, five, the fifth one, definitely the worst one is Scream. <laughs> simply because horror movies and junior benito i'm not gonna lie it's it's not my jam it's not my it's not my cup of tea <laughs> fair enough fair enough okay uh, but yeah uh number four i'll probably put die hard uh number three i'm gonna put was it it was jingle all the way jingle was all it? the way yeah Yes, I'll put that one as well for third because arnold schwarzenegger is the man mm -hmm. uh <laughs> number two we got both Jim Carrey movies. I'm going to say Ace Ventura and Truman Show at number one. Because wow. like said, Truman Show, I, it's one of my personal favorite movies because we got to see the actual acting ability of, of Jim Carrey. And it was one of his best performances, I feel. Thank you. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people hated on that movie because they were so used to the comedy, but they didn't yeah. see the sprinkle of, you know, something special in that movie. There really, really was. Honestly, that movie, in my opinion, was wonderful. Honestly, I loved it. There you go. Look at that. We're vibing on so many different levels. Junior Benito, I want to say thank you so much for this conversation today. And to officially let you know, you are now a member of the Straight Talk family, my friend. Anytime you want to come back on the show and wrap it up again, I would absolutely love to go on a round two and a round three with you because uh, I think you're one hell of a human being both in and out of the ring. Hey, man, thank you very much. And also message me anytime you'd like to do another podcast, as long as it's not tomorrow, because tomorrow I, uh, I'm wrestling. <laughs> Fair but, enough. Uh, yeah, that is all. But so much for having me, man. Honestly, it means a lot. Oh, no, bro. It, it was my honor completely. And before I go, anybody who's not following the rising star of Junior Bernito, where, where can they follow your journey on the crazy world of social media? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. They're likely all under the name uh, Junior underscore Benito, and the O at the end is a zero. And honestly, that is where you can reach me on any type of social media. I post TikToks as well and every day as much as I can. And then Twitter, I post my thoughts. Uh, and then Instagram, I post anything that just looks cool. That's really it. <laughs> He uses these social medias for exactly what they are. Guys, you yeah. know my socials. They're in the link below. But please, again, let me let me thank Junior Benito for joining us on Straight Talk Wrestling. Peace, love, and wrestling. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on Podbean. Also, check us out on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch, check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. Leaving the scene with no trace Not in my lead, you out of place I'm not at the top, I'm out of space Can't eat with us, we're out of place I'm doing fine, I'm feeling great You're not my fan, you can't relate Straight talk going, state to state